Welcome to the Entourage Podcast. My name is Paige Scott, and I'm going to be your host. Entourage Ministries gets its inspiration from Psalm 6811 that says, The Lord gives the command, and a great army of women proclaim the good news. Entourage is a multi-generational, multi-denominational, multicultural women's ministry based in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us today as we dive into truth from the Word so that your heart and spirit may be encouraged. As we go into session two, it's simply going to have two scenes. We call scene one, Eve, and scene two, the snake. Before we dive into those scenes, I want to do a brief review about where we came from in session one as we transition into truth that's going to transform our lives today. So quite simply, you will remember that in session one, I defined some basic things about anxiety. Here is what anxiety is. Here is what anxiety is not, at least within the framework and the language that we're going to use in this context. One of the things that I shared about anxiety in session one is that anxiety is often rooted in something because anxiety is a fruit, right? Fruit is a manifestation. It is something that is visible. It is something that we taste. So um, when I, assuming that you're watching this, you're perhaps coming uh, because or, or participating because you're experiencing a fruit of anxiety, we want to spend a significant amount of time in sessions one through three actually looking at roots, which we synonymously will call wounds and sources. So while it's never okay to talk about other ladies, while it's never okay to, to gossip or bring up things of the past, um, if the Lord has put ladies' stories in the Bible, then we do feel like it's fair game for us to look at what maybe went wrong in their story so that we can get a better vantage point on ours. So in this session, I'll just give you the heads up, we are going to be talking about the woman that you are tired of talking about, the story that you may be tired of hearing, at least if you grew up in a church context. And I'm talking about the story of creation, the story of how the entire world began within a a context of a biblical worldview. We're going to talk about the first woman, Eve, and we're going to look at the attack that came out on Eve's life. We're going to look at her response. We're going to look at what roots formed in that moment that have been passed down generationally that actually may be impacting you as you walk this out far more than you even realize. So one of the things that I shared with regard to anxiety being a fruit from a root that is something else is that often there's a root that is associated with an insecurity. I don't mean lack of confidence when I say insecurity. I mean insecurity in, in um, self, in relationship with others, in relationship with God, insecurity perhaps from a traumatic event, perhaps from um, something generational that's been, been passed on. There's, there's a place of insecurity that often serves as a root that is harvesting that fruit of anxiety. And that is what we want to look at today. So just like yesterday when I shared a definition of anxiety from the dictionary that is probably familiar to you. I want to share two basic definitions, that of security, that of insecurity, so we can get on the page as we move forward together. So if you are on the first page of session two within your book, you will see in bold the definition of security. It is the state of being free from danger, fear, 
or anxiety, or quite simply, it is defined as safety. Our goal in doing all of Hearts at Rest is that you would be found in a place of safety. Psalm chapter 12, the Lord says, I've seen those who, have, who are oppressed. I've seen those who yearn for me, and I'm going to bring them in to a place of safety. So we're going to look at how God originally designed for us to be in a place of security and safety with him, and we're going to believe that that's where we are going to end by the time we're done with this workbook. So on the flip side of that, let's define insecurity according to the dictionary. Insecurity, by definition, means deficient in assurance, beset by fear and anxiety, not confident, unsure, not adequately guarded or sustained, not firmly fastened or fixed. And I just want to say, even as I read that definition of insecurity and I talk about it, if you feel pain welling up within your heart because it's very easy for you to reflect in your life and think, well, yes, I carry an insecurity. My husband left me. Yes, I carry an insecurity. Those who were my caregivers abused me uh, for, you know, whatever the case may be. I just want to say that a lot of times the reason that we feel insecurity is a very valid reason. But God's love is superior even to that hurt and even to that hardship. So I don't want you to feel um, unseen. I don't want you to feel like I'm or, or that we in any way are making excuses for an insecurity that you may carry because of very real hurt that came at you in your life. I just want you to hear our heart, and it's that we believe that the grace and love extended through Jesus and the, the Holy Spirit in, in the role of our lives today, it's that it brings a security that is superior to anything that we, uh, we may have experienced uh, in the natural on, on this earth. So there's a prayer at the bottom of, of your session two page, and I am going to read that over you. I told you in the intro, we have been praying for you since 2017. That's when these prayers were written, and they are truth. And the Word tells us that we are, are transformed with truth. So I'm just going to read this over you, and I'd even ask if you're, if you're comfortable with it, uh, depending on um, if you're able to watch this, if you're driving and listening to audio podcast uh, or podcast and, and audio, don't do this. But if you're at home watching, I'd even ask you just to open your hands to receive in faith what, what I'm going to pray us uh, into this session with. Lord, We pray for this woman, and by we, I mean there's a whole team of people behind the scenes that you cannot see that are interceding for you right now in this moment. Lord, we pray for this woman, this sister, that you open her eyes to see the beauty of her design and the beauty of her purpose. Open her eyes to see the security of your design and the security of her relationship with you, Lord Jesus. Give this woman a supernatural ability to go back and imagine the story that we will discuss ahead. Give her the ability to see herself as you see her. Help her reflection on this story to provide insight into her personal story and the interactions that have contributed to her battle with anxiety. We await your deliverance, Lord, because you are able, ready, and willing. 
Your name, Jesus, is above all names. And we trust in your name, and we are kept in your name. Amen. All right. So I told you that, uh, that this is, is broken down a bit into two scenes. Uh, scene one, Eve. Scene two, the snake. Let's look at what perhaps the roots and wounds were in Eve's life as we, as we go back and, and look at her story. And I, I just want to invite you and I want to encourage you. There, the sessions are all written differently in this book. Session two is a session where you are strongly encouraged to be in the text reading all of the words. I'm not reading from these pages to you. Um, that's for you to do on your own time. Specifically in this session, you'll want to read Genesis 1 through 3. If you don't have a Bible, you can access it for free at biblehub.com or get the Bible app. If you have a Bible and you don't know how to find Genesis, it's going to be right at the very beginning. Chapter 1 is the first chapter in the whole Bible. So I want you to hop into Genesis 1 through 3. I also want to encourage you if you're thinking, I don't understand the Bible. There are two versions that are, that are pretty easy to understand. The International Children's Bible Version, I read it sometimes, I teach from it sometimes, and the NIRV. So those are two places that you might check out as resources if you feel intimidated, maybe by a, a translation that you've read in the past. So as I go forward, I just want to encourage you to be in the Word for your own in the session and to review all of Genesis 1 through 3. So Eve, what do we know about Eve? When you think about Eve, you probably picture a woman that is half-dressed with some strange leaves on herself hiding um, in the bushes or petting an animal. And, uh, and I would just challenge that there's a lot more significance to her story than perhaps the illustrations that we've viewed uh, for the past, past years and, and past decades. Eve's story is very important because God created all of creation in the Genesis account. And the very last thing that he created was Eve. And we know that God saves the best for last. So there's also this principle of a law of first mention in the Bible that when, when we meet something or we are introduced to something that we should pay attention because God has more to say about that. And concerning Eve and concerning all women, I believe that we have something to learn as we meet her in the Genesis narrative. So quite simply, God created the heavens and the earth. He created all of the things that you would imagine to be in the heavens and the earth. And then he created man in his image. And God said, let us make man in our image. I think that us is very important to know. And I'm going to explain why. So after God completed Adam and gave him some delegated roles and began fellowship with him, he said, it is not good for a man to be alone. Let's make a companion right there. We hear talking about law first mention. We hear about this concept of community right off of the bat. Community is God's design. My mom mentioned in the previous session that sometimes anxiety drives us into isolation. Our design is not to be in isolation. So right, right now, right off the bat, this has nothing to do with Eve. This just has to do with the way God designed us. If we are living in isolation for any reason, whether that's due to anxiety or something totally unrelated, then we are experiencing something that is conflicting with the way that God has created us to live. So in response to this need for community, this need for companionship, 
God comes up with a solution, and that solution is woman. It says that God puts Adam into a deep rest, and from Adam, he pulls out his rib, and he fashions woman. I would note two more things about this passage. Almost always, the most profound things that we will experience from the Lord happen when we are in a place of rest. I don't just mean sleeping, as perhaps was the case with Adam in this moment, but I mean in total dependence on him. And I can tell you right now, when we get to the last session, that whole session is going to be about how do we rest in the Lord today so that we experience his fruit, so we experience his significant recreations and reproductions in our life. So note right off the bat that God chooses this prized jewel of creation to come from a place of of rest and not only from a place of rest but a place of surrender right Adam had a rib taken from him and from that something God made something that was far superior than just what he had taken I would say to you that as we are on this journey of surrendering anxiety, of surrendering fear and worry, that God can take the something that we part with and he can fashion life from it that you could never imagine. So what do we have? We have Adam waking up from his rest with a missing rib and with community besides animals we have and waking up with a companion of Eve. And what I think we have to realize about Eve is that when God said, let us make man, let us make mankind, let us make humankind in our image, he's saying, let's make humanity reflective of us, us being the triune Godhead. So not to use big, weird, wonky words, but by that I mean the Father, the Son, which is Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. As we learn about the Holy Spirit or the pneuma or the wind or the breath of life, however you choose to refer uh, to, to the Spirit, we learn that the Spirit is identified by Jesus actually as the helper. And you know what Eve was identified as in the story of creation? as the helper. So we bear a very significant part of the image of God that brings creation and humanity into its completest form. We do it in the image of God and in the design of God and in the purpose of God and not outside of those boundaries. So I just want you to grasp that right now. You are so made in the image of God that God almost shared a bit of this namesake with you to call you a helper because his Holy Spirit is the helper. And it says about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit searches out the deep things of God, that the Holy Spirit brings comfort, friendship, encouragement, truth, wisdom. That's true for you and your design. On the next page that you'll be hopping to in your session journal, you'll notice that we begin to itemize and break out some of the verses, just noting some of the distinctions about how Eve was created. And at the end, you'll read a summary that says, this happened, whatever the verse attribution was, it was part of her purpose. This happened, it was part of her design. We have to know foundationally that she was created with an incredible purpose, and an incredible design. And if that's true for Eve, and she was the, the model of, of creation and the instrument that God chose to bring life into the world, then you can believe that it's true for you as well. So there is security, 
and there is safety in the purpose and in the design that God gave to Eve from the beginning of time. I want to read to you something, uh, something that, that's important to me from this chapter, just summarizing what I already said to you. Recognize the security of who Eve was designed to be. Recognize the security of God's love for her. Recognize the security of Adam's love for Eve and his confidence in her. And recognize the security of Eve's ability to do all things that God purposed her to do. And that's a preface as you go on to read some of those line-by-line verses I want to note that Deuteronomy 30:19 says, this is a few chapters after Genesis, I mean a few books after Genesis, but this is the Lord speaking to his people who have grown expansively from the time of, of Eden. And he says, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. This is not unlike one of the things that God told to Adam and Eve from the beginning. See all the stuff in the garden? See all, all the trees? You can have all of them, but don't choose this one because the consequence of that choice is death. We have to understand that God does give us a free will. God sets before us life and death daily in decisions, in choices. But because of our purpose and design, because we've been made in God's image, because of the blood of Jesus and the impartation of the Holy Spirit, we have the wisdom of God to choose life over and over again. But if we make choices that feel like death or other people make choices that feel like death in our lives, that doesn't mean that's what God wanted. That doesn't mean that it was God's will for, for these things to happen. But God gives us the ability to choose. And so I think as we look, as my mom in just a minute is going to transition into when Eve begins to engage with an adversary and kind of swift, uh, kind of, of shift from this, this perfect Eden to this bumpy road to the rest of, of eternity, I want you to remember that she had the choice and that God had equipped her with the ability to choose life. As we transition into scene two, I want to ask a simple question. As I talk about, and my mom will talk more about, how we are made so much like Eve, how we have this capacity to help, to nurture, um, to encourage, to bring truth, to carry life, to sustain life. Um, If you're thinking, "That's that's not me. I don't feel that. I want you to think right now, do you know anyone in your life that's a Debbie Downer? If you don't know what a Debbie Downer is, uh, if that doesn't make sense in your culture, um, let me explain. You know what it is. You may just not recognize the terminology that I'm using. There's an old SNL episode. I don't generally recommend that you watch the TV show. But in this SNL episode, there's a character named Debbie Downer. And in the scene that I can call to recollection is that there's a family setting down for Thanksgiving dinner, a time of gratitude, a time of celebration. And then Debbie Downer shows up after they've said their prayers, and she starts letting them know about all the pandemics in the world, all of the strange deaths that have occurred at um, major theme parks lately, and really all of the negative information that you could ever possibly imagine someone might bring up at the dinner table. And one by one, 
people began to get up and leave because Debbie Downer has changed the atmosphere of the entire room. How many of you know someone like that? How many of you know someone that when they show up, they change an atmosphere in a bad way? I've heard it said that the room either gets brighter when you leave or it gets brighter when you walk into it. If it's true that a woman, or certainly that could be true of a man, but if it's true that a woman has the capacity to walk into a room and to change the environment by talking about scary, negative, worrisome things, how much more true is it that that's our design corrupted and we have been walked in, we have been created to walk into rooms as light bearers, as life sustainers, as atmosphere shifters, totally equipped with a purpose and design to come alongside all of God's creation. That's your design. That's who God made you to be. And we see that as we read and reflect on Eve's story. A lot of people hate on Eve because if you've read Genesis 1 to 3, which I encourage you to, encourage you to do already, you know that she takes a bite of this forbidden fruit and she hands it to her husband. I don't think that she was being selfish. I don't think that she was being unkind. I think that at the core, Eve's nature was to do all of the things that I just described, helping, nurturing, coming alongside. But in the moment she engaged with the adversary that you're going to hear about, her spiritual capacity was closed off and her flesh began to rule. So immediately, her nature was corrupted and manipulated. So whereas she should have been handing off life and sustenance and refreshment, she was handing off sin and death. I hope that gives you an idea of the power that God purposed within you. And I hope that as, as we see that, as that's revealed to the eyes of our, of our hearts, that we will also recognize that there's a redemptive plan to get us back into the mode of operation that God created us to operate in. All right, let's hop into scene two. This is session two, and we're going to take up with scene two. We've been looking in the Garden of Eden at uh, God's perfect creation, Adam and Eve. And we've looked at how Eve was the, uh, the crown. She was the aha. She was um, God's favored possession, I, I think. He loved her. He made her with purpose. And, and because she was, had so much purpose, she was a threat. It says he knew, Satan knew, that in Eve's design and then her purpose, that she was made to carry and produce, to multiply all that she carried. If he could only warp her purpose and design, that she would begin incubating and producing something contrary to God's plan for her life. So Satan understood the value and the significance of Eve, and he was out to destroy that and to stop that. Psalms 139 says that in, uh, 
in our mother's womb, God beautifully created us. He numbered our days to serve him. We are made in God's image, uh, soul, spirit, body. And in the Garden of Eden, uh, Eve walked with the Lord in, in spirit, in perfect fellowship, in perfect peace, in perfect love, in perfect safety. She only knew joy. And uh, we're going to see, unfortunately, as the story unfolds, Satan's tactics. And we know that Satan is a liar. In scene three of the fall, the snake says, Surely God didn't say that you can't eat from this tree in the garden. You surely will not die if you eat from it. God does know you'll become like him, knowing good and knowing evil. Genesis 3, 1 through 5. So here Satan begins his tactics. His tactics as a father of lies is to question is for you to question God, to question if God is enough. Is God trustworthy? Is God says who he is? So um, Eve listens to Satan, unfortunately. And in John 8, 44, it says, Satan is the father of lies, and there is no truth in him. And as we look on over, as she continues to engage with Satan, she took their fruit and she ate it. Genesis 3, 6, the death seeds, the seed of belief that God wasn't for her and that she wasn't enough. The seed that she could control her own life as God controlled Eve. The seed that there was more than God and she needed more in her life than what he had given her. The fruit that looked delightful to her eyes became destructive to her heart because for the first time her heart became insecure in the creator himself she became insecure in his creation of her purpose, her design, her capacity, and her calling. So now we see the terror that must have come on Eve as that separation of the spirit that once she ate uh, the fruit, she had sinned by choice and that God's spirit separated from her. And now she's without that fellowship, fellowship that God created us to walk in. And so now she's feeling that. And as a woman, I know we all long for safety. And suddenly that safety is gone. The enemy exploited her beautiful and distinctive purpose. And his desire is the same for you. We see this conserved Eve's sons just a few verses ahead. And this is what became of the life of Eve. And I want to say when he question whenever God can get you to when Satan can get you to question God's goodness and to to question the ability to trust in him he's got you where he wants you he even attempted this with Jesus when Jesus was in the wilderness he would even question Jesus and Jesus would always answer him back by the word of God so this is what Eve met once she uh, she ate the fruit experienced sin, and died spiritually. She met shame. She hid from the Lord. Blame entered the world. She was forced to leave the garden. She could no longer fellowship with the Lord in the same way, and that fellowship that God created us for, that relationships became a strain. 
She was cursed with a desire to control what was beyond God's plan for her, and she wondered, am I enough for my husband? So there we can see a woman with this desire to control. Why would she want to control her husband? She wanted to feel loved. She wanted to feel safe. She needed to be in control of him. And we see that today with uh, women in our uh, tendency to want to control, to avoid ourselves from being hurt, to, from being abandoned. All of this was because she exchanged the truth for a lie. God's truth was, don't eat that, you'll die. Satan's lie was, you won't surely die. Sweet Ave ate some of the bad fruit, and that rotten fruit, the rotten seed, produced the same sin that still grows in us today. But let's see how it applies for you in your life today. Have you ever felt the enemy telling you that God was not good enough? Specifically, have you ever felt the security of your relationship with God threatened? Have you felt the security of God's love for you threatened? Satan attacks our purpose. Once again, he hates women. Does he give you these thoughts? Do you ever think you'll always be this way? You will always be alone? It will always be like this? Question two. Have you ever struggled with the feeling that who God made you to be is not enough? Specifically, do you struggle with the security of your own purpose and design? Are things in your life right now not what you thought they would be? Do you feel stuck? Question three, do you see the beautiful design of Eve when you read her story? Do you see your own beautiful design when you read her story? She was truly treasured. There's a book uh, written by John and Stacy Aldridge called Captivated, and in that they do such a good job in that book of sharing how beautiful and unique God made Eve and just really elaborating on that purpose. And in that book, they pull out something interesting to me when it comes to control and, and to a wounded woman. If Satan can wound a woman, he feels like he can keep her from her potential and her destiny. And something noted in this book is when women feel wounded, often as a means of protecting their identity, they will control all their situations and will sometimes uh, come out almost to, be, to appear to be highly successful. They're great at their job, but inside they're very empty often because they are seeking to control their world to always be a step of everything, to be ahead of the game because they don't want to stop and think about the emptiness and the pain and the fear in their own soul. They don't want to be alone. They do not want to be still with God. Another way we see women go after they've been wounded is that they, um, they do the opposite. They become passive and they withdraw. God has wonderfully made you, and he's made you for purpose and to glorify him. And if Satan can get you to withdraw, to isolate from your potential, that, is, that brings great joy to him because he's trying to isolate you. So passivity is another ways of that. How does it make you feel to see how the enemy exploited Eve? Does it resonate with you that the enemy constantly seeks to exploit your design? He constantly attacks your purpose, your des destiny, gives you mental anguish. He often wounds you, and, and Satan can wound you. 
and get you to draw back, he will do it. He'll start at any age. He preferred to do it as children, adolescents, as adults, and Satan will use people to wound you. If part of the enemy's intention was to keep women from being the at last helpers we were created to be, do you see any areas where his attacks have debilitated you from effectively helping others, including yourself? For example, I don't know what I should do with my life right now. What is my purpose? I hear so many women say that. What is my purpose? I don't know what to do right now. And so they're questioning their identity and their purpose. Are they worthy? Uh, Can God forgive them? Are they enough? As you consider women who have impacted your life for the better or worse, does this bring any revelation about those relationships? Number seven, do you currently consider yourself as capable? Why or why not? Eight, would you consider God to be the God of your life or are you the God of your life? Who is your Lord today? Be honest. And once again, are you able to trust God with your life? Are you able to give it over to him and trust in his goodness? Or do you need to control because you're not sure he loves you or you can trust him? And I'd mentioned a while ago that spiritual death entered uh, when Eve chose to eat that fruit and deliberately sinned against God, and her spirit died. And if, if you're out there and you're watching this and uh, you feel that, that spiritual death, that you feel like you've, you've been separated from God, God says all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And because of his death on the cross and his sacrifice, he can be that substitute for our sins. And so all you have to do is accept his death on the cross, uh, repent and acknowledge him as Lord of your life. And the Lord Jesus himself will uh, come into your spirit and you'll be born again and your spirit will be renewed. And that spirit of the Lord will live inside you and abide with you. And you can have that fellowship that was severed. And you can walk in God's truth. So I just want to ask you right now to, to pray with me as I end this session. And even uh, those of you out there that knows that you have a relationship that's been restored to God. I encourage you also to pray with me. Father... You are such a good, good father, and um, I thank you for that. You never leave us nor forsake us. You are trustworthy, Father. And Lord, God, you left your throne in heaven to be born in the flesh that we could be redeemed back to you, and I thank you for that sacrifice. And I just ask, Father... uh, that you would come into my life, forgive me of sins, all my sins, that you would be that sacrifice, that you would come back and you would renew my spirit, that I would be born again, and that I'd be able to uh, let you be the Lord of my life and take control of the reins, that I may walk in your peace and fellowship. For it's in your name I pray. Amen.
Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Entourage Ministries, visit our website at entourageministries.com or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. 